what what limitation have I hit in myself that I could now push at a bit more? And how could the map support me in seeing mm. that and doing it? So that we can make our businesses less about success and failure and more about personal growth because in a way that in itself is profoundly satisfying that's a bit about the you know integrity with self who am I becoming as a result of my business welcome to the happy startup community podcast with Carlos Saba the the compounder of the Happy Startup School. The map of meaning is a very simple map that can create powerful insights. In this episode of the podcast, which was recorded in late August, I talked to Lani Morris, one of the co-creators of the map, and we discussed what it takes to create more meaning in our lives Along with her fellow co-creators, they've discovered that there are four common elements to meaning. Integrity with self, unity with others, actualizing self-potential and service to others. By consciously addressing each of these areas, we're able to fully express what it means to be human and find more meaning in our day-to-day lives. Along our journey of building the Happy Startup School, we've met many purpose-driven entrepreneurs who are creating good in the world, but are also burning out. They believe that they've defined their purpose, but for some reason, something is still missing. What does it mean to do meaningful work? It's easy to conflate the ideas of meaning and purpose, but just because you work in a purposeful organisation does not immediately mean that your work feels meaningful. For Lani, purpose is about inspiration and service to others. But if we neglect the other areas of meaning, then that's when problems arise. Being able to identify the missing pieces is the purpose of the map of meaning. Each of these areas in the map can be depicted as four quadrants on a set of axes of being and doing. When we look at our daily lives using the map of meaning, we're able to identify where we're spending too much time and how we can reclaim some balance by addressing the areas we've neglected. To find out more about the map, uh, then you should check out the links in the show notes. So I hope uh, you enjoy this conversation. And I hope you like that little intro by Leah showing off her little podcast skills. I am uh, slowly trying to get out of holiday mode. <laughs> it's so hard, isn't it? I only got, uh, well, I, was, I think I'm a, I was officially back trawling through emails and inboxes on Tuesday. And I'm still trawling through emails and inboxes. <laughs> I know, I don't have holidays much. I try and fit them in, you know, by having a day off here and there through the year because it's actually really hard. I mean, I can see the value of a proper break and I'm going to have a week in November where I'm completely off screen, but yeah. Yes, there's. A, it sounds like I'm like trying to blend the work and the, mm. and the relaxation and not have... This, I think one of the interesting things about holidays that I've found recently and particularly when i was running the agency with lawrence is like the run-up to the holiday was one of the most stressful bits (laughs) then there was the two or three days trying to land once you got to wherever you were going yeah and then there was the 
three day, four days before you're coming back when it started to ramp up? Yes. Uh, well, it's very interesting if you look at the map, actually, that between being and doing, you know, if we're doing full out, then shifting to being is actually quite hard. And we often get mm. quite depressed or, you know, sort of wander around wondering what on earth, how to do being, you know. And then we get used to it, and then we have to remember how to do doing again, and it seems really ghastly. So I try and blend them into the day because it's sort of less of a, an assault on me. But there's no way you can do it sometimes. Yes, I think. No, I definitely um, I'm, I'm curious about that transition, the doing to being and the being to doing transition. And in, um, and in my head... It's the actually the, the thing that springs to mind, and I don't know why it just springs to mind, is I've met a number of people who've done the Vipassana. Yes. And it's that um, when you're in the doing mode, I assume, is like, you know, you're very busy. And so you you it you fill you fill your head with stuff that needs to be checked off and need to think about. And then when you take that away. There's this kind of really noisy void. Yeah, yes, a very good image, I think. And it's like, ah, now what? I should be, I should be doing, but I'm not. But now I'm going to have to be with me. And what does that mean? Yeah, exactly. I've been doing a a sitting practice. It's not meditation exactly. It's just. Returning to sitting and being with yourself, really, and I, it it did shock me how far away from that I'd got over the years. You know that I'd got into sort of busyness and then just collapsed really into my device or distraction, but not being with myself. And mm. so I'm finding that helpful as a daily practice, actually. I think that's incredibly powerful uh, as a, and the way I. The way I um I think I've I've come to come to terms is a word no the way I've managed to sort of look at that it's there's a I think there's some kind of like subconscious processing that happens when you just sit uh, the way I find it anyway mm. uh, and uh, and you create space mm. I think that's it the way I think it was like um. I was talking to someone uh, using the analogy of our brains like a city. Mm. And when we're in doing mode, it's basically, it gets to the stage when it's like rush hour. I love that. And then being mode is like that time at one in the morning when there's hardly a car in the road. And it just allows you to take, in a sense, thoughts to then travel across to where they need to be without getting stuck. Yeah, I love that. And I love that But you know, where you could be sitting by the river at sort of six o'clock in the morning just watching the river go past and mm. the city hasn't woken up yet. Hmm. Yeah. And there's the, I think there's a, there's that kind of the ability to, to enjoy the quality of that time. I love that, um, yes, yes. I was thinking, I was talking to someone yesterday, actually, and they gave me this quote. Because it was in this age of, like, fast-pacedness and things, you know, everything needs to be done because, you know, either 
the competition will beat you or you'll be left behind and we're, we're always so busy to get things done that we're, we get obsessed with quantity and efficiency and doing more. And then someone shared this quote or this thing. Success is not a matter of accumulating more of this or that. It is not measured in quantity. It means changing the quality of your life. Wealth, power, fame and knowledge alone cannot make you happy no matter how much of these you acquire, nor can you take them with you when you die. But by improving the quality of your life, you will at last approach, approach true happiness. Mm, lovely. And I think there's that by, you know, I got, I got a very clear image when you're saying 6am watching, did you say the river or a lake, which is still water and the quality of that time, how that feels as opposed to us being busy, whether on devices or doing things. Yeah. But it, I'm interested in how seductive the devices are, how seductive the mm. distractions are, and how much I need to structure in the time for me and the being time and the times of peace and make sure that I get them. And, you know, the, the older I get, the more tired I get at times, the more I need to be firm with myself and actually you know I'm structuring in exercise classes rather than relying on myself to do things or you know I'm structuring in massage and holidays now because I can't rely on myself to to do them in the way that I think I used to be able to more easily I'm not quite sure why I would have hoped mm. when things got better as I got older but <laughs> They are close. There's many things I'm better at, but there's some things I'm not so good at. <laughs> is it that we? Is it being in an age of distraction? Do you think that's the, the challenge? We have so much input available to us. Absolutely, and I think visual distraction devices hold you very tightly. But then so do books, and mm. I think I just distracted myself with books. You know, when I was a teenager. Um. Mm. So I just read it a lot, but it was the same basic process. So I don't think, and I think that devices, I think that the speeding up of things, I think, but at the same time also we're being nourished by some of them. You know, you can listen to a, a really good podcast or you can do an online course or you can, you know, things that weren't available where you were very much dependent on your own resources or what was sort of available in your location when I was younger. So I th I think I think it's um I mean there are lots of people who've had nothing and then were incredibly inventive and creative with it. And some of us who lay around and read a lot because we weren't so good at doing that. So I don't know how much it is. I think they're just a set of skills that we have to use where whatever time we're living really. Mm. So it feels like there's maybe a, a discipline to our being. <laughs> we need to to be able to. I, I say the word intentionality springs to mind. Yeah, um, but also an understanding of what actually leads to sort of happiness and fulfilment. And a day spent on mm. my device does not make me usually feel better compared with a day, you know, mm. involving walking and swimming and being with people I love and doing some work and 
in being with people I love. I've just sold my house, Carlos, and I'm moving down to be with my family, my grandson and, and daughter and daughter-in-law in Wellington. And it's partly because I just want to be with people. You know, I've lived on my own for 10 years and it feels like enough. It's a good practice, but um, I don't I don't feel I need to do more of it. I think um, bringing it round to the map of meaning. Um... Yes, should we do the actual <laughs> I could talk for hours. But... Well, well, what the um, what I like to do is I like to drift into these conversations. I think and the, my, um, my my so the the way I like to think of these conversations and these podcasts are um, when when I'm at one of our retreats or when we're running our event like something like summer camp. I tend, I, I, I love those events because you, you get to have time to be, but to be with others and have, have really nice conversations. And, and for me, the vision I have for this is that is you and I are sat opposite each other, opposite mm. each other, maybe at a dining table or in a cafe, mm. having a conversation. And whoever's listening has just decided to sit next to us. I love and, it. And what they're doing is just... They're just curious as to about what we're talking about, and so it's it's a little window into um, hopefully a fruitful conversation. I love that. Okay, I'm certainly sitting on the other side of the world, but beside you. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so for those uh, for this for this person who just sat beside us and uh, yeah. decided to listen to our conversation, why don't you uh, introduce yourself uh, and tell us where you are and. Uh, and what you do? Well, I'm Lani. I'm Lani Morris, and I live in New Zealand. And um, I'm the co-founder and CEO of the Map of Meaning International Charitable Trust, which is an organisation we set up some years ago to support the work um, of getting the Map of Meaning out into the world and available to people. And... Um, I'm an older person. I've lived many years, 40 or 50 of those, it seems, as an entrepreneur. So I've had a huge experience of starting businesses. And one of those was a textile, handmade textile business. And I loved the whole world of creativity. And part of one of the things that really struck me when I became interested in business was that Business is just an artifact. It's just made up by people. And so really we could use the artistic concept of functionalism, which is, you know, form follows function. So we could design businesses that actually work for us rather than we fit into the business. And so from that point on, I've always really thought about how would I, you know, what, how could we have a business? How could we create the world of work in a way that really works for human beings. And I think that just set me off on, you know, another quest from the, the profound human quests of, you know, what is it to have a life and how should we best live it and what should guide us, which had really been there all my life, partly brought from my parents and partly because I was brought up by a number of people who'd survived the Second World War in Europe and really got so challenged by everything they'd lived through and were now trying to sort of create a new life on the other side of the world that they really 
profoundly questioned everything. And so I think those two great strands, you know, how do we live a good life as human beings? And what is it to be a human being? And how could we design work that was an expression, a full expression of being human? You know, really have come together in my work now. So that's a little bit about me. I I love what you say about uh, work, what it means to lead a good life, and what is the role of work in our lives. And um, there's... There's so many things I want to to go into there, but um, I think well, first of all, first of all, I, I would like to just maybe set some context here because mm. I um, I discovered the map of meaning at actually the meaning conference last year. Uh, I I saw you talk I, uh, and also Mario Lane. Yeah. Um, is that how you pronounce her name? Mario Lane. Yes, Mario Lane Lips Viesma, whose original work the map of meaning is. And um, and also you ran a workshop as well at the event, and I was I was so taken by the simplicity of the map, but also the richness that it could create in an understanding of what this all means. Mm. Um, and and for someone listening now, one of the things that struck me that why I'm very curious about the map is that a lot of people that I've met, um, whether they've been serial entrepreneurs or they've been successful professionals, they get to a stage where they ask themselves, is this it? Is this all that is? Mm. And that's usually when they're talking about the work and the work that they've been doing. And I assume it's related, a lot of times it's related to them being very, very busy, being very successful, accumulating monetary and material wealth, but then thinking, okay, but that hasn't really, that hasn't hit the mark or there's something still missing. I don't know if that's something that you've come across in your work. Well, I think so. I mean, there's actually um, an interesting thing called the leadership development framework. I don't know if you've come across that based on the work by, no. work by Bill Torbett. And that looks at, um, you know, that the first sort of four stages of our development is often about being an individual, sort of, and then something happens and we shift, and that question about is this all there is, is the sort of question that opens us up to what our life could be beyond just achievement, really. Um, individual achievement or even sort of helping groups and organizations achieve and I, but I think the map would the map of meaning would really say we are all always concerned with the meaning of our lives and in a really simple way we could say that it's it, it's you know what are we here for which is the great big question um, and one of the, I think, the sort of source really of, of Mario, Lane, Mario Lane's original research question was the work of Viktor Frankl, where he said, well, perhaps the question, what is the meaning of life, is too big for us to answer. But what we can answer is, what is the meaning of my life today? 
And it was mm. that question that she took as her research question. It was to bring the question of meaning not into that huge overarching question, but down into what's been meaningful to you in the last couple of weeks. And it was that question and the answers she got that really gave her the information that led to her seeing what the dimensions are that together make up what's meaningful to human beings, what we agree makes work and life meaningful. And so with something like that, at any point when you ask that question, because there can be that question where you positioned it as um, you know, a stage of life question, right, so I've got this company established, you know, I've got the house and the nice car and families looked after and um, now what? Um, there's that stage of life question, but there's the, also the question called, I lift my head up from my desk and wonder why I bother, you know. So there's the immediate daily moments of, is this meaningful or not? Why am I bothering? Um, as well as the, the ones that sit right through our life and the times and switches of our life and the shifts of circumstances. And the map of meaning is really useful in all of those situations. And really because it gives us a way to, to think about it, um, not to sort of have to ponder out in that vast philosophical, theological area where I spent many years doing philosophy and studying comparative religion, you know, trying to find it, what was the answer out there. Um, but what's the answer here today for me in this moment? What I hear with that is... Um... So on one, I think one level, when you talk to people, when I, I think when, when people think of the word meaning and, and, and it immediately jumps to that very philosophical, those philosophical big questions, um, which not everyone has the luxury of time to consider and ponder. Um, and what I feel you're talking about with the map of meaning is it, it's, in a sense, it feels like a very pragmatic way of looking at meaning, uh, and and taking it down to a very, um, I was going to say, a very human experience, but human in the day to day sense, so that, so that you can grasp it at a at a level that that you can think about without sort of Absolutely. going off on a very well. I mean. I think it's sort of really funny because when I first sort of rushed at organisation saying, have I got a map for you? Um, you know, one man kindly took me aside and said, Lani, we don't talk about meaning here. You know, like I'd made some mm. social faux pas. Um, and then what we began to see is that people are talking about meaning in this day-to-day -day experiential way all the time. They're not talking about it necessarily in the big, vast philosophical way. And many people, and part of what he was pointing to, and we've certainly experienced that, is some people sort of go, well, honestly, you know, it's just not what we're going to think about. We don't have time for this. It's all too subjective. Uh, it's opening a can of worms. It's not going to show up on the balance sheet. You know, there's a whole series of reasons why people think they can't engage with it or aren't engaging with it. But actually, if you listen to a conversation in the workplace that goes something like, or in your own head, you know, honestly, you know, I'm, I don't know why they've, you know, they've just split up the team, for example. 
and my best colleague that I just loved working with and where we were sitting beside each other and we could throw ideas between each other. I could run something past her or him and now they've put them in another building for efficiency's sake and it's just impossible for me to have that same easy interaction with them. And so what we hear is complaining in the workplace is nearly always an expression of a loss of, of meaning or a destruction of meaning, completely unintentionally by people who are trying to actually make things work. And for you know entrepreneurs, those of us in startups, it can be when we go, I just, you know, that often that experience of overwhelm. And what's really valuable is to have the map and just be able to look at it and think, oh, I see, I've been working on my own too long. I need some help. I need some support. I just need a coffee with a supportive colleague. Um, So actually, to ourselves and with each other, we talk about meaning an enormous amount. It's just that we can't hear it and we don't recognize it because it's not in that abstract way. It's in an experiential way about our feelings about the day and our, you know, what we're doing with it. Because what we found so, was, yeah, please go on. No, I was just going to say, well, what I hear there is that there are events and and decisions uh, that we make or we experience and we make during the day, uh, our, during our day-to-day lives. Um, and how we react to those events and the the decisions we make uh, are, are going to be based on something. Mm. Uh, and it sounds like they're going to be based on our our sense of what is meaningful. And so when when someone when our work situation has changed and you you no longer have the chance to work with in the team that you found uh, a pleasant experience working then that takes away well that creates a feeling in you that's unpleasant and you think okay this is this doesn't feel as meaningful anymore or there's something not as quite right here Uh, and the way i i hear in my head is like at one level you might just think of it oh this is this is bad this is rubbish the someone is someone's to blame and we need to change it but there's some deeper messages actually there was something about that situation that I needed because it made my experience meaningful. Absolutely. And very, I mean, I think what you're pointing to is the map helps us give words to these felt experiences, which if it's about meaninglessness, often are a sense of upset or disengagement or frustration or emptiness. So you know, what we describe as negative feelings. And rather than just go, oh, I need to be positive about this, I mean, which can be really helpful, we can look at the map and go, okay, so where did meaning just get lost? And, Mm. I mean, it's difficult because we're talking together, but, you know, very simply, the map is a simple framework that shows you that there are four main pathways towards, you know, that together make up, what human beings experience as meaningful, and they are unity with others, which is the working well with somebody or the support. It's integrity with ourself, so that the work we do is actually aligned with our values, and that we can grow as people, and we like who we're becoming 
through our work. Um, it's about expressing our full potential, using our talents to the full, and, and actually having a sense of achievement at the end of the day. And it's about being able to make a difference, serve, serving others, even you know, be that a big vocational sort of thing like teaching maybe or, or just the daily act of helping somebody. And those four pathways sit in, if you think about it, in tensions between our self-interest and our concern for others and our need to be, which we were talking about earlier, um, as well as do in life. Because certainly mm. as startups and entrepreneurs, you know, it's doing, 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 and where's the being? And then, you know, like half an hour downtime and you stare into space and, and don't know what to do with yourself or just amuse yourself on your devices simply because you've been so intensely doing that it's really hard to be. And then that whole lot is held in the biggest tension, which is between reality, the reality of who we are and the reality of our circumstances and the things that inspire us. And all of those dimensions need to be in some way alive for us in order for things to be meaningful. And that can feel quite complex. But if you think about it, in those moments when you're in flow or you're completely happy, usually you're inspired by what you're doing. You're using your talents. You're either engaged with other people or in some way conscious of them. You're making a difference and the work aligns with your values. In reality, so you know you can see that very easily all those things can be experienced, but just as easily something can happen in any of those dimensions and suddenly meaning goes, and that really accounts for quite often that feeling when you you know you've been you got up in the morning you've been romping through the day you're really focused and then suddenly you find yourself distracting yourself or disengaged or lost in some way and often that's the point where the map's really useful if you have it for example just printed up on your screens you know in front of you on the wall or on your screensaver you can just glance up at it and go oh, I see I need to go for coffee but I need to make that with a supportive friend as I said before rather than just someone I can go and complain to um, you know whose support do I need now who or do I actually need some time on my own and just go for that 20-minute walk around the park or something. So it's – and the, this has been the thing I think that's shocked me most, and I've been working with the map now for nearly 20 years, and it, what I adore is that I keep learning all the time because it's so simple and yet it's so profound. But what I saw just the other day is the thing that's so totally bizarre is that meaning, which seems to be such an abstract conceptual thing, in terms of our experience, is actually at the heart of our ability to act. Because the meaning, the minute something becomes meaningful to me, I know what to do. And the minute I can understand what I need next in order for things to be meaningful, I just act. You know, I pick up the phone and ring that person or text them or, you know, I go over and talk to somebody and get some help or I rethink the product that I'm making in a way so that it could be more useful to people. As, um, I think one of the challenges that um, many early stage entrepreneurs that we've met and, and what we also call wannapreneurs, people who are just about to start the entrepreneurial journey, yeah. 
And one of the challenges is, is overthinking. Yes. And one and trying to second guess what needs to be done. And what I heard you say there is that when you are in tune or you are able to understand what is meaningful for you today, at least, then there is no need to to think too much. You will just act because you will you will instinctively know that it's the right thing to do. I've, that's been my experience. I mean, there's a couple of things I've found really helpful with the map. I mean, one is just the map itself, and because that's my business, part of what I value about it is to some degree we let the map lead the way. You know, um, what does it need, not what do I need to do? So I don't know how that would relate to other people's businesses, but I sometimes thought that a business is a bit like an artwork. It comes through you when you're an entrepreneur. You know, you... It's an expression of you, in a sense. So like an artwork, there are times when you don't know what to do and there are times when you just have to make a movement and find out where that leaves you and and then get your way, you know, work your way out of it. And there are times when you can see very clearly what needs to be done and you hope you have the skills to do it. And I think all of those things apply to setting up a business. But you can't sort of have the artwork finished without going through the process and one of the things that it's always seemed to me is that a small business is the you know the most perfect personal development program you can ever be in because you're totally confronted by who you are by the results you get and you can use that as a as a way to learn and the map is an enormously valuable tool to support you in that learning because you're absolutely right when you say earlier that you know when something goes wrong it's easy to blame someone else or to blame yourself. And I think as entrepreneurs, we're really vulnerable to that. You know, nobody's run me. Then there's obviously something wrong with me or there's something wrong with them. But maybe neither of those things. Maybe I just need to wait a while, you know, or rather maybe there's something else that needs to happen that I could listen for or I could look at the map and see. And what what limitation have I hit in myself? that I could now push at a bit more? And how could the map support me in seeing that and doing it? So that we can make our businesses less about success and failure and more about personal growth. Because in a way, that in itself is profoundly satisfying. That's a bit about the you know integrity with self. Who am I becoming as a result of my business? If I'm becoming mm-hmm. someone who's so busy that I can absolutely never see anybody, never breathe, you know, can't be with the family, can't be with myself, can't be with nature, because I'm striving for success or driven, then is that who I really want to be? Um, mm. And how do I create a business that actually allows me to to have enough being time? And what do I need to learn to do that? So all of those questions, I mean, it's a huge complex area, but I think it's a useful way to look at it. So last year, I met someone who introduced me to the idea of entrepreneurship as a spiritual journey. Mm. And Absolutely. This, this, uh, and I, it made me think about that when you're saying is like, it's, it is a journey of self-discovery because you do find you will hit um, brick walls or, or limits that, that aren't necessarily external limits. They're limits potentially created by your own 
beliefs and um, maybe lack of self-knowledge as to what triggers you in certain situations or what stops you from doing certain things. And another aspect, um, just kind of going back to the map, just to mm. give people maybe a picture in their heads if they haven't seen the map, is the way I understand uh, its um, foundation is that there are these four very fundamental aspects to everyone's lives um and it was, it was unity was it unity yeah. with others uh integrity um achieving our full potential and and being of service yeah and it, as i understand those are the four things that are the the create meaning in our lives yeah. uh and one of the um, things that are so an example of the that springs to mind with the people that we've worked with is we were because of what we talk about the happy startup school and we talk mm. about purposeful business and we talk about making positive impact in the world we meet a lot of people in in charities and and social entrepreneurs and they're very much in the area of service to others yes but what happens is that more often than not that creates burnout yeah. and they are they feel that they need to be always working because there's, they're on a mission and there is a, a need in the world and there are people that need to be helped uh, and then they get to a point thinking wow this this doesn't seem to be working even though it's really purposeful work for some reason that i'm not there's something not quite right and then and then it creeps up on them and they, they tip over the edge and, and they're in burnout yeah. and, and they can't function anymore. And I feel what you have with the map is, and I don't want to, it feels a bit mechanical using this word, but it feels like uh, you can look at it as a diagnostic. Absolutely. It's yeah. like, where am I now? I'm not feeling right now. And how do I, where do I sit on the map at the moment that may, might be creating this feeling? You're absolutely right. And one of the huge insights that the map's really given us is that if we are in one dimension too long, we can actually lose meaning. So what's needed is, an, is, is to have the four operating in a sort of harmonious interaction or flow, which just feels like, you know, I had a really good day today. Um, but when you analyze it, if you go exactly as you say, if we go too much into service to others, we do become firstly usually resentful, and then if we don't listen to that, we burn up. And then we can lose years. I've just done some work with um, some spiritual care practitioners, chaplains, etc., um, and I was really struck by the fact that a very high percentage of them have experienced burnout at least once in their life, and sometimes twice, and it took years to recover from. And that's a very costly way to serve others, even though the rationale is, as you said, completely understandable. What the map would say is we need to balance our concern for others with our concern for self. And I was so thrilled that a woman, after using the map and, and understanding it, was able to Someone offered her eight hours of extra work doing something that was really important. And she thought about it and looked at the map and went back to them and said, I can only do four, and was able to hold to that position. 
and I think it's the same thing with us as startups. You know, we can get so consumed by service and also the inspiration that we neglect the reality of our bodies and and our smallness as one individual. I mean, we can become so consumed by by being heroic, and I've certainly done that myself, that um, we neglect to see that there's a lot of other people in the world who could help us, who could take it up. It's not all dependent on us. And so we can do the same with unity with others. We can be so busy fitting in that we lose our ability to speak our own our own personal truth. Um, we can be so caught up in being in integrity with ourselves that we lose compassion for others and become really righteous. Or we can be so consumed with achieving and expressing our full potential that we actually become ruthlessly ambitious. So in any one of those four pathways, we can actually lock down. And if you think of it more as um, a wobble board, you know, it's something that, that had needs to be in, in motion, then you think we get more of a sense how in each day we need to achieve some sort of harmony, some sort of balance for ourselves, which is purely subjective, you know, and one day it might be quite a lot of service for others, and another day it might be quite a lot of time on our own. But what's the balance that today will feel like? Rather than there's one fixed way of being, And I think it's one of the tracks of more binary worldviews, which is, you know, the sort of um, helping others and then the selfishness. And then you're locked into one because you can't be selfish. Well, actually, we need to have concern for ourselves because that's concern for our bodies, concern for our, you know, the people we love, concern for our own well-being. And it's finding those, those balances all the way through that the map has enormous insight it helps us to have enormous insight into i think there's um when you when you said the wobble board what sprang to mind is um, we can't always be living directly in the center as i understand this and there's a kind of a dynamic equilibrium where we will drift off in different areas and it's um and when and the, the challenge is, like you said before, we, when we spend too much time in one area and potentially even fall off the edge because <laughs> yes. you just tip the board too well, far. Jam, you know, jam in an area mm, and fall off, I think. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I like the image of that. I, I can just... I go this image of holding this the map and, and I'm a little and a ball in the center and I'm just trying to like just balance it and it just goes left and right and forward and back and, and that because I, the reason that sprang to mind as well because I, I remember I think from Mary Lane's talk about this idea that um, we can get meaning not only from work we get meaning from different parts of our lives and we we can create those aspects or we can fulfill those different aspects of of meaning um while we might be of service to others being at home with our families gives us the idea of unity and and it doesn't necessarily mean you have to have unity at work all the time and you don't have to have always integrity at work you it's a kind of i feel there's a, a 
a mixture of things that you can think about when you're thinking about meaning. It doesn't have to always, everything has to come from work. No, absolutely. I mean, fundamentally, what my grasp of, of things from the map is human beings want to have meaningful lives. In other words, we want at the end of the day to feel our life was worth having. You know, that we loved and we lived and we did and we used our talents to the full and we used our energy in ways that were enjoyable to us but also of value to others and that, you know, we used our time well and we get frustrated if any of those things don't don't happen. But absolutely, you can do that in a number of ways and at different times in your life. So, you know, with the young children, you whether you want to or not, you're focused on others. You know, you're lucky if you get half an hour to self. And then when you, in my experience, you hardly know what to do with it because it's such a rare luxury. Um, you know, and then as I am now, you, your family's all grown up and gone and suddenly you're on your own. And it's, you get plenty of time for yourself. And now I want to spend more time with my family. So I'm moving to be closer to them. But it, it's, so over a lifetime, there will be shifts. But in a day, there can be shifts. And, and there are, you know, you can have a perfectly meaningful job in which you go along to and make the best of it because human beings are very good at finding meaning in their work. You know, they find the one colleague they enjoy and they, you know, they can see that the work they do has some benefit in the world for somebody and they use them, you know, they nearly always do a good, a good job if they possibly can. And they normally speak up about things they don't think are ethically okay. So, they, you know, they meet the four pathways as best they can, but their real deep meaning may come from, you know, belonging to the lodge or it might be, you know, from their work with some sort of charity or it might be just being part of the family and having a really happy, successful family. Or it might be part of their church or, you know, whatever it is, that's, that's it for them. So... You're completely right. It can come from many sources of life, from our hobbies, whatever. But really, it's just that the map allows us to be conscious of what's driving us um, and to see and therefore make often quite small adjustments to what we do that just make us happier because life is more meaningful. So... Yeah, it's um, it doesn't have to be huge. And then at times people can look at the map and go, right, I'm absolutely clear I have to stop doing this job. I've got to go and do something I actually really love, and it's certainly not this. <laughs> so mm. both in the in the daily adjustments right through to the major life decisions. And, and, I mean, it's partly working with the map that's made me get really clear that I don't have to live alone for the rest of my life. I need to actually have people around me, and how am I going to do that? And be intentional about that, not just suffer, you know? Exactly. Yes. I think that's the thing that sprang up from when you were talking there. There's being consciously aware of, I was going to say, where where, where there's a lack, whether you're not paying enough attention, which sec sector are you not spending time in? And, and that, um, the symptom of that being something that's not feeling right at the, uh, in, the, in your life at the moment. And I feel that many people will have that feeling or and sit with that unpleasant feeling and feel negative or down, but not know what to do about it. Absolutely. And that's where having the map and being able to work with it can can help and, and, 
and lead them to creating action in their lives to rectify what might be going wrong. Absolutely. And I think, you know, the other thing that's so important is that when what we've been talking about is the map, in a sense, ref, as a way to reflect inwards. But the other thing is because the framework's shared, that means when we're looking outwards at others, it's also relevant. So, you know, when we're looking with a client, we can look to say, you know, are we supporting them enough? You know, are we helping them to achieve their full potential? You know, are are we working in alignment with their sense of values and integrity? You know, are we helping them? Yes. Are they helping us? Is there, you know, we can actually start to look at how this might influence or be acting out in our relationships with clients and with people, you know, our colleagues that we work with, with staff, if we start to expand. And one of the joys for me is, you know, starting to work with the map more and more in organisations because if you think that each individual person wants to find meaning and is actually in charge of their own meaning, then we can let go of the rhetoric of heroic leadership where leadership sort of resides at the top and everyone else is stuck with reality um, and realise that everybody needs to be inspired and everyone and everyone needs to also be dealing with reality. And those two are always interwoven. And um, we're just, I'm just developing a, a workshop called Leading Between Inspiration and Reality. Because I think one of the things that's very interesting for entrepreneurs is inspiration and reality are a daily experience for us. You know, we're inspired by our work. And then there's the reality of I don't have enough time or I don't have enough money or, you know, whatever else might happen. Whereas somebody said, you know, we live between champagne and razor blades. We don't know this rubble. Um, and and I and yet when you get into bigger organisations, there's much more of this sort of separation of function, and that makes mm. creates absolute havoc in organisations where the inspirational leader comes sort of striding and gives the inspirational speech, and three weeks later all the budgets are cut, and everyone just becomes cynical. So how do we as leaders weave inspiration and reality together all the time when we're working so that we, you know, acknowledge what the realities are for people and we hold to inspiration, but we also inquire what inspires them. And then possibly, you know, the most powerful thing we can do is remove the barriers to other people's inspiration so they can get on and be inspired. And I remember it's a very old case study now, but it was the Johnsonville Sausage Factory in Wisconsin and the guy had sort of been told that he needed to empower his people. So it's been a couple of years trying and then worked out it was he was getting in the way. So he got out of the way and he said the hardest time was when his PA came to him and said she had an idea for a mail-order sausage business. And he went, oh, right, then that makes sense. So she went off and did it. And now she was so successful, <laughs> he'd lost his PA. <laughs> and I just sort of loved it. I mean... The, the honesty that he had where the people who he used to be the leader of were now showing him by leading, you know, in ways that he had never thought of. And I think that is why seeing all of this as a spiritual practice is really powerful because it allows you to sort of hopefully have enough humility to be both a person who founded something and then the point when you have to say, well, actually everyone else is doing this better than me and maybe it's time to let them go and be fulfilled and that I've done what I needed to do here. So 
yeah, it's a sort of extraordinary mix of being able to be inspired but also be with reality and see that and work with that in others that I think the map can be so powerful. In. The What sprang to mind there is is the idea of bringing humanity back to business. Absolutely. Um, and the way, the way I think of how people may have traditionally looked at work, particularly coming out of the industrial age, is this very mechanistic view of a workforce. They are cogs in a machine. Uh, I am the leader. This is what's happening. And you just do what I tell you to do, and it'll be fine. And people just, in a sense, looking at them as 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 automatons that just don't have a sense of meaning mm. but there is one and they will need one and you're talking about that can create havoc because they then don't have that connection with why should i be working for this person or why should i be putting all this effort and and not giving you know not living to their full potential in terms of their skills and abilities and then the aspect i heard there and i think particularly now in a, in a more in an age where we, it feels like we can, we are more working with our minds and creativity, and uh, and innovation seems to be much more in, important in the way we work. Um, that uh, the ability to create, the ability to think, that's a very human thing, and is requires us to be in a space of of um, when we're mentally free and in flow. And and if you are in an oppressive structure or in a hierarchical structure that doesn't give you that sense of autonomy, how can you be creative when you feel like you have no freedom? Mm. I I think. And I. Yeah, sorry, go on. You were just expounding a point there, and I interrupted. Yeah, I, I and I, I what I was trying to get to, I think, was um, for a leader by having. When you have something like the map to create that self-awareness, the real understanding of how you really tick, once you have that, then you are then able to better understand how other people tick Mm. and understand what motivates them or what can motivate them rather than being unconscious about the decisions that you make on the behalf of others. Absolutely. And, And... I think you can then ask people, you know, you can listen for their expression about meaning and meaninglessness, where they just got upset. But you can also listen for when they start to get take on, you know, get on fire about, about something and say, okay, what would help you there? You know, it sounds to me like you're really inspired by that. So I think there's a really dangerous um focus on on the leader as something sort of unique and special and I would look much more for leadership as a as a human activity when we're inspired you know when somebody says well why don't we or let's to me that's an expression of leadership it's just coming out of the conversation in a community like when you and I said let's talk you know let's have this conversation that's an act of leadership because it's initiating something that wasn't there before. And if we as leaders, as in the role of leader, can hear that in the people around us and then foster and support it, 
with an understanding from the map that we can share. I mean, we can share that both in our listening and our questioning, but also we can just put the map in front of people and say, well, how, you know, how are things looking? We've um, developed a way of using it with performance reviews, for example, where people can look over the year and go, well, what was meaningful and what wasn't meaningful and what could I, you know, develop next year? So what it gives us actually is a framework for rethinking the world of work in which our human need to work, i.e. use our talents and make a difference for people, gets to be part the sort of basis for how we design the workplace rather than, as you rightly say, a sort of mechanistic view of the world, which was the legacy of the machine age when we were intoxicated by the machine and efficiency. And understandably, you know, it was very exciting compared with the early continents. Um, but now we have, a, we're much more focused on the service sector. We're much more aware of what it is to be human. So if you're going to manage human beings or work with human beings, which is the way I like to think of it, then you need to know what guides and shapes us. And meaning is one of the things that's at the heart of it all, is, is in fact our intrinsic motivator. And so understanding that allows us to work with people um, and support them in also growing and developing as human beings. You know, personal development mm. is not just our privilege, it's the privilege of everybody around us if they want to make that journey. Um, and when it comes to organisations, businesses, startups, um, I think it's very much feels like it's very much in vogue with the idea of having a purpose, you know, being more purposeful mm. in business or purpose-driven businesses. Can you speak to the difference between purpose and meaning? When someone's saying, all right, I want to build a purpose-driven business, but is there a difference there? Do there? Is there something that they also need to think about when they think about, you know, just because it's purpose-driven or it's purposeful business, does it still mean that, it's going to engage people in, in the same way? Well, I think they're very different. And I think the trap with purpose is, of course, we want a purposeful business because that's, um, you know, it's inspiring and it's ideally it's meeting human needs. The trap with it, I think, with purpose is that it's just one dimension of the map. It, it is, you know, either just inspiration or, or service or, and then it will, it tends to and can become a place where people do not have meaningful work. Um, and I think that's one of the traps of charitable organisations, which can be notorious for actually producing appalling working conditions, because everybody does feel that they can't speak up and complain, or the reality of not having enough money or not having enough resources can't be really mentioned, because it seems like a betrayal of the purpose. So it traps us in another framework which prevents meaningful work, actually, even though it seems like it would offer it. And I think there are some very bad management practices that I've seen in organisations that are purpose-built, or for, you know, for a purpose, sorry. Um, what I think is more important is to understand that you can be doing something really... Mm, doesn't seem to be purpose. I mean, I think it's really funny. In New Zealand, one of the organisations that consistently wins one of the best workplaces is the vehicle testing 
um, organization that gives you your warrant of fitness. And I was amazed, you know, because it's not like you're going, really? But when you think about it, they think they have a really important purpose, which is to keep people safe by making sure the cars they drive are safe and providing great service, which they do. And, you know, and we have this lovely thing, which is a thing that doesn't necessarily appeal to us as a sort of highly inspirational organization. They run a fantastic business and people are very happy there. And, and find their work profoundly meaningful. So I think it, the map actually allows us to meet the human needs of meaning in whatever context and remembering that they're always balancing. They're always working amongst all those dimensions that we've talked about. So I think they're very different. And it's wonderful to have a purpose-driven business and then use the map to make sure that the work is meaningful and not doesn't get trapped into something else. I, I really like the idea of how using the map can reframe the purpose of business. Because what I hear there is, and I'm using purpose in a different way now, yes. um, on one level, purpose, some people may think the purpose of business is for profit and making money. But here we're also looking at how the business is there to serve the people within it to live with more integrity be connected with others and achieve their highest potential on top of being of service and providing a service to to their customers so there's if if it make well for me it gives a much better definition of the type of business that i would like to build or i would like to see in the world well, I'm I'm glad that you that you can see that because I think that for me is the sort of vision I've held really for twenty years since I first saw the map, and I could see that it would you know that it offered something because so much of what we offer businesses is not going to allow for a systems change. It's only going to sort of that you get a lot of emphasis on you know the individual needs to be more resilient or something, but actually within certain systems mm-hmm. you can't be more resilient or it may not be in your best interest to be more resilient. So how can we build systems, organizations, in which meaning is the is the basis for the structure of the systems? You know, is the new computer system that, or IT system that somebody's introducing going to allow people to have greater connection with each other? Or is it actually going to get in the way of that? You know, is the new, th- new operational process that we're developing is that going to actually allow people to achieve their full potential or is it going to lock people into fixed roles that they can't sort of grow in is there something that's driving um, people to not be in integrity not able to express their values so it's very important that we could actually make sure that the map of meaning gives us a framework for interrogating the systems that we both have and we're developing so that it can, the systems can support people having meaningful work. And then I think we're starting to design businesses with, with meaning as part of an integral sort of design element. You can say, you know, is in this project are people going to be able to express their full potential, etc. So it's just a, you don't have to do it all the time, but it's a wonderful frame of reference to weave through, especially if you're starting a business. 
And I know with the trust, with the Map of Meaning International Charitable Trust, we've been able to use the map for strategic planning. We've been able to, you know, and it makes a phenomenal difference when what I'm doing this year is to increase integrity of self, you know, actually to strengthen the integrity of the organisation. When I put it there, it stops being just a list of things I have to do, but I know why I'm doing it. And it, it alters my relationship with it. So I think there's an enormous opportunity for us to use the map in all sorts of creative ways we haven't even thought of yet, because it's very new knowledge for human, humanity. And we, you know, some of us have been using it, but this, it would be wonderful if a lot more people started to use it, especially in startups, and then could experiment with it and see what, you know, what questions really are helpful and what processes came out of using it in certain ways that really do mean that meaning gets designed into the organizations of the future. I'd love to see that happen. I think for me, the you know, one side of business is the financial sustainability. But I now, you know, from what you're saying, there's the energetic sustainability it feels like it comes from the meaning, the meaning being the fuel to create that sustainability to keep people connected to the work that they're doing and feel that they're they're doing something worthwhile. Yeah, work that's grounded in our in yeah. our humanity, with all its fragility and you know, complexity and difficultness. Um, but work that's a full expression of what it is to be human. And I think with the map we have a framework that can allow us to do that. And that, you know, is part of the vision that's driven me for 20 years. And, of course, you know, the money is sits in reality. You know, I mean, of course it's important. It's like blood in our, in our systems, in our bodies. But it's not the only thing. It's part of it. Exactly. Exactly. It's only one aspect. <laughs> well, thank you very much, Lani. That was, that was amazing. It was lovely. And it has sparked so many thoughts and ideas in my head. And... And it's and it's illustrated the depth to which the the map can take you to, and it's um, and how versatile it is mm. in in how it can be used at different levels. Well, absolutely. And if people would like to find out more, we you know they can go to our website, which is www.themapofmeaning.org. And um, Maria Lane's done a really great TED talk, TEDx talk, and I've just finished one, which will be up soon. And um, we've got a book which is published by Routledge and you can find out details about it there, which is full of exercises that you can use. So it's a, you know, it's a, very, it's a thoughtful book, but very practical as well, or as practical as we could make it. And we're also running online workshops, which, um, you know, on Zoom. And there's one which is just an introductory one that starts in October, four sessions of two hours. And it's just looking at how you could use the map for yourself. And there's a one for entrepreneurs um, that we're running that's three one-and-a-half-hour sessions, and it starts in mid-November. And I'm running that with Patricia Greenhuff, who's one of the other founders of the Map of Meaning International Charitable Trust. And she and I have been entrepreneurs all the way through, so we've applied it all the way through. So we're the two people who've applied it longest to being entrepreneurs and We'd really love to share that experience with others who are 
starting out in business or running their own small businesses one way or the other. Brilliant. I will make sure to get those links from you so we can put those into the show notes so people can find those resources. Uh, I'm sure there'll be many people listening to this who'll be interested in, in finding out more about your work. So thank you very much for your time and for your wisdom and for sharing the your insights around the map of meaning. Well, thank you, Carlos. It's just a joy to talk about it, as you can see. it's um, My work is immensely meaningful, <laughs> and, and it's partly because I use the map, and it's a joy to talk to someone who listens with such depth and gets it. I really appreciate that. Thank you. Excellent. Thanks for listening to this Happy Startup School podcast. We're on a mission to help purpose-driven entrepreneurs and individuals find more alignment between what they believe and the work they do. Because for us, happiness is when what you think, say and do are all aligned. Happiness isn't just a passive feeling, but an active way of living, which isn't always easy, but when it's done right, can be effortless. We're on a mission to help you find happiness by providing tools, courses and community that inspires you to follow the journey of building a happy startup. This will require finding out more about yourself as well as learning how to build a purposeful business. If you're excited by this, then please rate and subscribe to this podcast on your preferred platform and then go to our website, thehappystartupschool.com. You can also read our blog at ahappy.link forward slash read. Hi, so on this episode of the podcast, I share the audio of a live webinar Lawrence and I hosted where we discussed whether to change our name. So we've been running the Happy Startup School for over seven years now, and during that time, we've evolved from delivering workshops and how to build a startup to hosting transformational retreats on the beaches of Goa. We run an online community where we support entrepreneurs at different stages of their journey. And we also host our annual festival, the Happy Startup Summer Camp, which attracts people from all walks of life. So it's been a fun-filled journey, and along the way we've made so many friends and learned so much. We've now gathered around us people who aren't just startups, but also seasoned business owners and experienced professionals. They come from diverse backgrounds, but with a common need to find more meaning and purpose in the work they do. And so our workers evolved from just going beyond supporting startups to also supporting individuals who want to grow personally. And we're now kind of wondering whether our name is limiting us because there are people out there who'd probably benefit from coming to our events or being part of our community but just don't identify with the word startup. So this is our effort to share our thoughts and get feedback from our members and followers. Uh, So we'd love to know what you think and if you identify with our situation. And if you have any thoughts about our name, uh, please ping us an email. Uh, You can get us on hello at happystartups.co. I hope you enjoy this episode.